be with the uh, 9 a.m. service. Last time preaching here uh, for the year. Uh, and so uh, hopefully uh, it will be a, a special, memorable time. Thank you for uh, allowing my son to uh, be a part of the children's <laughs> choir thing there. They did such a great job. I, I know my son uh, did not expect to be thrown on stage here this morning. So he was, he was trying to figure things out, like sing, sing, like what? I don't... Uh, but uh, he's just a chip off the old block there. When I became a disciple as a teen, uh, I learned a song lead just like that. It came to a Devo. The teen leader said, all right, guys, we're going to have a song here. And Will Garcia is going to lead us in a song. And I was like, I am? And so uh, that, that's how it happened. And uh, have a few songs under my belt. But I'm not here to lead songs this morning. I'm here to bring God's word. And so I um, hope you've been having a great time celebrating, rejoicing, uh, as I'm sure uh, I've heard many stories about our parties i have been having across uh, our, uh, you know, three parts, three services, heard about the, uh, the, the acts, heard about the uh, David and his puns, uh, heard, just heard about all these great things that we're doing, uh, all the festivities. It's starting to, to feel like Christmas, it's starting to look like Christmas, right? Some of us, maybe the weather outside is very frightful right now. Um, but uh, it is it is underway, and so uh, we're going to look at the Bible here. We're going to talk about a few things that Christmas time is all about, and so we can be prepared this Christmas. So look over in your Bibles, Luke chapter two, or you can look on the screen there. Luke two, and we'll start in verse one. You know, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. Of the entire Roman world, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, we've probably read this many times. We've seen it be acted out many times. Maybe you yourself have have acted this out. Maybe you you were one of the magi there. Uh, But you've seen this kind of be uh, you know, acted out, and, 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 and you hear this story, the nativity scene, and yet no matter how many times we hear this story, we can't get enough of Jesus' birth. It is still mind-blowing to this day, God becoming man, God becoming flesh, and dwelling among us. You know, it's that time of year that we communicate the birth of Jesus, and it's significant for those who follow him. You know, you may be feeling here this morning like your life is a little bit chaotic, right? You ever been there? You feel like life sometimes is just a little chaotic. And what can happen is we lose sight at times the meaning of it all. And if we do, then we're starting to feel uncomfortable about that chaos. We start feeling like, you know, I don't have time or, or space in my life. If you just knew how chaotic things were in my, or are in my life, you would understand why making room for Jesus right now is really difficult. 
But as we read on, I hope, I hope that you hear God's message to you here this morning. That as we read this passage, many things do stand out to us. But one more than others is that Christ did come in the middle of it all, in the middle of the chaos. He came. You think it was Mary's plan to be, uh, you know, this, this virgin teenager who was said to bring about the birth of a Savior. Riding on the bank, back of a donkey, coming to a place where there was no room for them to stay. Not sure how she's going to take care of this child. I mean, talk about chaos. Talk about chaotic. That, that's it right there. And yet Jesus and God had a plan to come through it all. And if you feel that way here this morning, you're in the right place. God has come at such a right time for you to land with him this morning. We'll keep reading verse 8. You know, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That won't be hard to find. It's not many of them. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those who have, whom his favor rests. And the angels had left them, gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You know, the title of the lesson here, yeah, is Christmas time is. And, and you can fill in that blank. Christmas time is. And maybe there's a word that comes to mind. There's a phrase that comes to mind. There's a passage that comes to mind. And it's probably as numerous as the number of heads in this room. Christmas time is. But I want us to really find out from God and his word what Christmas time is. Is and what he wants us to be thinking about during this season. Christmas time here, you know, we'll see in just a sec, is a time for celebration. It's a time for celebration. It's a time to party. And we should do that. And why should we party? Because when God sent his son Jesus on earth, it declares to us that God loves you. That God loves you. You know, the most famous verse in the Bible, and many of us know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says God is love. Not that he has love. It's not that he doesn't have love. But it's that he is love. It's, it's who he is at the core. And he created you so that he could love you. It's the reason you're alive today. It's the reason your heart beats. It's the reason why you take the breaths that you take. It's the reason you woke up this morning. It's the reason you're here today. Because God loves you and wants 
a relationship with you. But, but do we own that here this morning? Or do we kind of get wrapped up on, you know, okay, God so loved the world. Yeah, he loves the world. No, no, he loves you. Specifically you. And you start evaluating who, me. And you, you start thinking about your life. And maybe some of us were really like guilt-ridden. We're like, wow, he loves me. I'm not sure he can really love me. He's like, no, I love you. And he wants us to understand that. To be in a relationship with you. You know, he loves you on your good days. He loves you on your bad days. He loves you when you feel it. He loves you when you don't feel it. He loves you when you think you don't deserve it. He loves you when you know you don't deserve it. Because his love is not based on our kind of love. You know, he doesn't size us up and go, okay, are you worthy of my love? You know, let me measure you up. Should I reciprocate here? It's just who he is. God is love. And his love is based on his character. It's not on your performance. You can't make God stop loving you. I mean, you just can't make him stop loving you. Bless you. And God sent Jesus to let us know that. That he loves you. And I don't know about you, that's an incredible reason to celebrate. It's an incredible reason. And, and, and the reality is, it's not just something that we know up here, but it has a profound effect on your life. The way you think. The way you act. Because some of us, we may know that God loves us. We're like, yeah, yeah, I know God loves us. But our actions don't show that. You would not be living the way that you continue to live if you really truly believe that. So it's not like this, oh yeah, I know that. I've been told that. I've heard that many times. No, you don't. Your life would be different if you really did. You would start thinking very differently than the way you're thinking right now if you really did. So this is a powerful thing. When we accept it, we embrace it, we go, wow, it's a thing to celebrate. Another thing to celebrate is not only that God loves you, but that he's for you. God is for us. You keep reading in John 3, 17, God says he did not come into the world, you know, to condemn it, but rather to save it. He came to save the world through Jesus. You know, he's on your side. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to know that, hey, I'm here for you. And many people, many times, we become afraid of God. And if we're honest, we're afraid. You know, when anyone starts to talk about spiritual things, when any one of us you know, starts to talk about God, we get afraid. Because we're afraid that he might not accept us. He's not going to accept where we're at and who we are. We're afraid that we're going to be a disappointment to him. But you know, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He didn't come to scold us. He came to save us. He came because he believes in you and he believes that you're worth it. But do you recognize that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you understand how much God really loves you? Jesus came to save us, not to scare us. Even though it's natural, right? Even, even though when you, uh, you know, here in the Bible, you see Joseph and Mary, they get interactions with an angel, they become terrified. That's a natural response. But even the angel himself had to acknowledge and, and really, you know, help them. Hey, guys, do not be 
afraid. Again, God would want us to know that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look within, to seek out truths from God's word. What God is calling you to, as we close out this year, as we look towards Christmas and we anticipate his arrival, don't be afraid to start getting honest, start getting real about God and his plans for your life, but also about where you're at with him here today. He wants us to know that he's with you. He's for you. But another thing to celebrate is that he loves you, he's for you, but he also wants you to know that he's with you. That God is with you. In Matthew 1 verse 23, the angel of the Lord calls and tells Joseph about a prophecy that you can read in Isaiah. And it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. You know, God loves us and is for us way too much to stay away from us. To allow sin to block us and totally distance us from him. He's saying, I'm coming to be with you. This homecoming, I want to be with you. Just think about that. The creator of the world is wanting a relationship with you and I. He wants a moment-by-moment relationship with you. Name somebody else who wants to have a moment-by-moment relationship with you. He wants to be your Emmanuel. You know, and I, uh, I think about my kids here, my, my three-year-old, who's, uh, whose name is Emmanuel, Emmanuel, and he lets us know he's with us. He lets us know he's here. But you know who really lets us know right now? It's our infant. It's our seven-month-old, Daniel. You know, we're ready to just take a little break. He's already fed. He's cool, right? Okay, let's take a break. Let's sit down. Okay, yeah, he's here. He's here. You know, oh, okay, it's time to eat. All right, let's sit down at the dinner table. He's already good, right? No, he's here. He lets us know he's here with us. You know, God wants to communicate that to us as well. Like God wants to be with us. He's with us every step of the way. You reflect over your year. You reflect over 2017. Can you see God in it? Can you step back and go, wow, but, but these things were hard. Some of these things don't seem like the act of God. And although I mean, God would not advocate those things, he would not uh, you know, encourage those things, he allows things to happen. He sits back and, and he's there waiting for us to turn to him. Because he knows we need him. But do you know that he's with you? You know, he wants to get that across to so many of us because this time of year can be difficult. You know, it can be happy times. You know, we can recognize those happy times and the people we have around us. And so we, we celebrate. We acknowledge those times and we, we celebrate them. But at the same time, it could be difficult because of certain people not being around us no longer. Relationships that once were intact, are now strained. They're no longer the same relationship. But whatever stage you may be in or you find yourself, that relationship with God, one thing's for sure, God's not going anywhere. God wants to be with us. And he made that sacrifice to come down because he loves you, he's for you, and he's always with you. And I want you to, you know, I want to encourage you to think about that. 
to be a reason to celebrate about Jesus this Christmas time. Not just what I have to do about Christmas, what's the next thing on the checklist, what next party, what next, what elephant gift I got to get ready to re-gift, uh, you know, if you're into that. You know, just, just all of that, I know I am. All right, so, you know, you know, not just all of that stuff, but man, okay, what, you know, so that Christmas isn't just another day on the calendar. It's not just another day where we get together, we're opening gifts, we're eating food, and that's cool, but then it just becomes... Uh, you know, just another day, but rather something that we can truly celebrate. The goal not to only celebrate Christmas that day, but to celebrate Jesus every day. Because this is the love that God extends to each one of us. So consider how and what you'll celebrate this Christmas. Because this Christmas, it's a time for celebration. The second thing that angel announces at the birth of Jesus is in verse 11. He says, today in the town of David in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. It's also a time of salvation. A time of salvation. A Savior has been born. A Savior rescues. He delivers. He saves. A Savior brings salvation. You know, I found this video there on YouTube. You know, from time to time I get distracted and spend time on YouTube. No, I'm just kidding. I was searching YouTube for, you know, some inspiration. And I came across this video here that you're going to see in just a second. But it's about a group of hunters from Australia. And they were spending time with a young man who was terminally ill with cancer. And one of his last wishes is that they would go boar hunting, for all you hunters out there. And so they, uh, they go out boar hunting, and they take their dog with them, and they come across this big buck kangaroo. And, uh, and then the dog becomes in need. It needs help. It becomes in need of a savior. Let's watch this clip here. Looking forward to seeing Max on a board. When, to our horror, it turns out to be something else altogether. Oh no! Here! Yeah. Hey, go, just here. Well, go, go. But all is not as it seems. The big buck actually has hold of the dog, not the other way around. As Greg runs in, we realise this could get dangerous. sure what's going on here but the roo has the dog not the other way around max calmly waits for his owner to come and help the buck roo sees the odds stacking against him and tries to gut the dog with his claws one last time his powerful arms anchor the dog by the breastplate as max doubles his efforts to escape finally the roo switches his attention to tonks and sizes up the human to be his next victim tonks gives the kangaroo his space but the cranky buck comes forward ready to attack. To save himself, he launches a right hand to the kangaroo's snout. The punch swivels the roo's head as he throws his claws out to grapple and gouge. Then they eye each other off. Tonks makes the right decision again and backs off, leaving the buck stunned as to what has just taken place. 
Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, what just happened? I mean, what 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 a wish come true for that boy to be to be able to see this and witness this, right? You can't make this stuff up, right? And in case you're wondering, no animals were hurt in the making of this video, okay? In case you were concerned about that. But, uh, I mean, you see it happen. You see this dog, and he's just in need of a savior. This big buck kangaroo has him in, like, this chokehold thing position. And his owner comes over, and he doesn't know what to do, but just give him one right in the nose, I mean, he just totally turns around and just, like, sizes him up and just, bam, right in the nose. And the kangaroo's there, and he's just like, man, he's, he's just shook. You know what I mean? He's just like, we're just happy, stunned. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. But, you know, the dog, that dog, he's like, man, I was in need of a savior. He was not going anywhere. But, you know, have you ever been there before? You needed a savior. You know, it could be something as comical or maybe not as comical to you, but, uh, or at least maybe now it is, but maybe back then it was like a bully. You know, maybe you were about to uh, get bullied around and someone wanted to fight you and you were just like, oh, I don't know. And then someone came and rescued you. You know, if you're a boy, maybe it was your big sister and you were like, oh, no. Bully, just hit me, man. No, no, my sister's saving me. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you were rescued from something. You know, maybe it's a little bit more life-threatening. You know, maybe a little bit more serious. You know, I think of a time when uh, I was fighting some sinuses, uh, just had some uh, respiratory issues, and I went to bed that night, and I just, I was really clogged up, and, uh, you know, and then I, was, I just I had a hard time breathing. And in the middle of the night, I woke up, not being able to breathe. It felt like I had swallowed my saliva, you know, I had liquid in my, in my lungs. And so I'm trying to breathe, and I just wake up like, <gasps> I feel like I'm literally breathing from a straw. I get up, I don't know what to do except roam the house, and I just start banging the walls. I'm just like, someone, trying to get someone's attention because I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm going to breathe. My mom came in. She didn't know what to do. She just, like, yelled something in Spanish or something just to, like, you know, help me. You know, but something in Spanish, you know, Dios mío. And, uh, and I was able to breathe for a quick second. And then, uh, you know, I don't know how that happened. And then a few minutes later, I started having that attack again. We went straight to the ER, got the doctor's help, some medicine. And, uh, you know, it was all good. But, boy, I, I was helpless. I was, I was hopeless. There was nothing I could have done. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't save myself. No matter how hard that dog tried, he could not have saved himself. And yet, so often we try because we think we can. Man, I'll, I'll just save myself. I'm going to overcome this thing in my life. I'm going to be able to overcome being someone or doing this. or I'm going to be someone different on my own. But Jesus came. Because we can't do it on our own. Because we need a Savior. Each one of us needs to be saved. We need a Savior. And Jesus came to save us. You know, if we needed more information, he would have just sent us an educator. 
you know, if we needed more government to figure this all out, that he would have sent us a politician. But what we needed most is salvation. And so he sent to us a savior. And why do we need a savior? Because our sins. And when we miss the mark, we fall short in our relationship with God. We fall short. And when we sin, it separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 1, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities, your, your sins, your transgressions have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You know, God loves us and he's, and he's for us and he's, and he's with us. But, but when we sin and have not been saved, the Bible often refers to it as lost, in darkness, enemies of God, dead in our sins, in our transgressions. And on our own, we have no hope for salvation. What can a dead man do for himself? Nothing. There's nothing a dead man can do. Each one of us needs a Savior in order to overcome. We can't save ourselves, but praise God that he didn't just leave us there, you know, just to say, hey, you know, whoa, you guys, you guys are messing up. You guys have messed up. You've fallen short. Our relationship is not supposed to be this way. Oh, well, you guys got to figure out. We're separated now. We're going to be separated for eternity. That's your fault. Praise God. That's not how it is. But that God would come down. Dive right into a messy situation and all the chaos to save us. The birth of Jesus brings us the hope of salvation. Because when that baby grew up to be a man, when he was persecuted and beaten, that man came to love, came to save. He was crucified. But the story doesn't end there. Salvation came because he rose from the dead. And through him raising from the dead, that also gives us the power to raise from the dead. That we too can resurrect, to be able to say goodbye to the old ways, to our old ways of thinking, our old ways of life. The things we think have a hold on us, the things we think we can never change. We just have to accept it. That's just the way life will be. The reality is it does not have to be that way. Jesus came to change that. In Romans 5, verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, then how much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God, that through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, when we recognize our sinful condition, when we just realize where we are at, and we decide that we will repent, that we'll put our faith in Jesus, and we'll make, we'll make the changes we need to make and make him Lord of our lives and we're, they're baptized 
into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God lives within us now. Everything changes. And if this concept here is foreign to you and how someone becomes a Christian, if that is not how you became a Christian, then your paradigm of Christianity should change also. Because this is what it's all about. That death comes to life. New creations because of God's grace, not our works. We're justified and made free of guilt and sin. Is that not is that not something to celebrate? We're reconciled to him and our relationship with him is restored. We go from being an enemy to an ally. We go from being dead in our sin, made alive in Christ. Rather than being condemned in hell, we get confirmation of a great home in heaven with him. You know, Jesus gives us the power to transform our bitterness into forgiveness. Our cowardness into confidence in him. Our frustration into patience. Our fear into faith. Our guilt into innocence. You know, those things, man, we can't do on our own. No matter how hard you've tried, right? No matter how hard we try, you cannot, I cannot change those things on my own. But God loves us so much, he came down to bring salvation and hope that we can through him. Romans 6, 23. Romans 6, verse 23. Wages of sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, through Jesus, we've been offered here the greatest gift ever by the greatest gift giver. Salvation, eternal life. But like any gift, you have to accept that gift in order to benefit from it, right? You know, let me ask the crowd here a little little participation how many of you currently, whether in your purse, or in your wallet, or your back pocket maybe, have a gift card in it? You can raise your hand, you know, okay. All right, so good handful of us. Okay, keep your hands raised if you have more than one gift card in your pocket. Okay, so we got a few of you who have multiple cards. Okay, so now you look at your cards, you know where to go to lunch afterwards. Okay, great. You're welcome. How many of us have had gift cards for more than like a few months? You, you know, you're like, wow, man, I got this. Maybe your last, bro- what about a year, over a year? Okay, you're like, man, I got this from last Christmas. Man, I haven't even spent it. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, I myself uh, have a tendency, I give gift cards and I just hold on to them. Waiting for the right opportunity, whenever that is, to just totally... Uh, spend them all and things like that. Uh, you know, and so uh, I found in my wallet, I did the same thing as I did, you know, with you guys. I did, and I found gift cards. I found one to uh, uh, In-N-Out, which was, you know, $5. I was, I was really fired up and excited about that one. And, uh, and then I found a $10 one to, to Starbucks. And I was like, okay, I don't know who gave me this, but clearly this person doesn't know me or, or must not like me. Uh, you know, I don't drink coffee, so that's why, you know. So I'm just like, ah, I wish the $10 were on the In-N-Out card and then the $5 of Starbucks. But uh, I'm just totally confessing my heart before you guys. But, you know, and, and we, we hold on. We hold on to these cards 
And, and you got to think about it. You and I, we have something so valuable in front of us, right? I mean, they're just right here. We have power to purchase something, power to do something with it. It's been paid for you, you know, but you don't benefit from it until you cash it in. I mean, it's got power. It's got strength. Well, at least it's got, well, if it's got at least more than 75 cents, right, to do something with it, right? It's got power. It's able to do something for you. You know, I've researched the number of gift cards that don't get redeemed, and it's staggering. You know, the typical American home has about $300 worth of unused or unredeemed gift cards. You know, these cards, yeah, you're like, not my household. Yeah, we spend it right away. Um, you know, these cards are often misplaced. They're accidentally thrown away. They're partially uh, redeemed. And, uh, you know, it's a staggering thought here with the last few years that each year, I'm just going to throw out this one, at least a billion dollars worth of gift cards go unused or redeemed. That's a lot. That, that's like, what? But it happens. It happens. So go home and look between your cushions, all right? <laughs> go to your car, look underneath the seat, see if you find one. But, but you know, to my point here, you know, it can be taken for granted what we have been given. It's, it's at the fingertips right here. You have it, you know, but why do we allow something so valuable to just kind of sit in our pockets, in our purses, in our, in our desks? You know, so many times we think, oh, well, you know, um, I'll get to it one day. You know, I'll, I'll just one day, I'll figure it out, I'll do it. Or we just forget about it, you know. We're just like, oh, it's not that important to me, you know, whatever. Oh, well, you know, whatever. I, I didn't even pay for this. I didn't pay for it, so uh, I don't lose out anyway. It's not my money. It didn't cost me anything. But you know what's even more staggering than the amount of cards that go unused, unredeemed, if you think about it? It's this idea that God has given us this gift of salvation. And how many people have not yet accepted it? Have not yet accepted it. Ready to give you life. This gift card here from God, it's ready to give you life. It's ready to make you a new creation. It's ready to break dysfunctional cycles over and over. You know, those gifts that keep on giving that you don't want anymore, they just keep coming back. He wants to break those cycles. But he wants you to redeem it and live for him. You know, during this season, let's make sure we don't take it for granted. For some of us, we've redeemed it. We've redeemed the card. We've redeemed this gift from God, salvation. But, you know, we get tempted along the way. There's a, a newer model out there. There's something a little bit shinier, prettier, maybe smaller, different. And you're bored with the old one. You want this new one. Let me go try something else out. Let me go do something else. Oh, and let me do it on my own here. Let me go venture out. Can I exchange this card? Let me, yeah, let me exchange it. The exchange rate is terrible, but who cares? Because I'd rather not keep this. I want that instead. And, you know, we can do that in our relationship with God. We take for granted the gift of God. This gift has been given to us. If you're a disciple, if you're a Christian here today, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what God has given us. Let's celebrate we've been redeemed because of what Christ did. That he gave us all for us. He died for us so we could live a new life. It means you keep trying. 
to live a new life over and over again, fighting your sinful nature, striving to be excellent as Jesus is excellent. He gave his all for us. He died for us so we can live a new life. So he wants us to not stop fighting. He wants us to not give up. He does not want us to get comfortable and lose sight that we need him, that we're hopeless and helpless without him. But somehow when we're on cruise control in our walk with God, we could just lose sight of that. I mean, when you're not convicted by uh, Ched sharing his call higher, no one needs to hold him accountable to that. He's like, man, I haven't read these many books. I haven't done this. I haven't read through the Bible all year. And you're just like, what? I haven't done any of that. But you know, that's a call high for us. When you understand the gift you have, you cherish it. And you're going to do all that you can for God because of gratitude of what he's done for you. Well, let me figure some things out first, Will. Let me, let me, you know, let me get my life straight and then, you know, I'll come around to it. He's like, no, it's backwards. That's the whole point. You can't. You can't on your own. What you can do is surrender yourself to God. Surrender to him. And he will change you from the inside out. A change that will last Where do you need to be, where do you need reconciliation in this moment of your life? Who do you need reconciliation from? God, members of the church, family members. You know, we talked a lot about reconciliation with God, but I believe the best way to get reconciled with others is to know how God has done it. And what he offers to us. Will you offer that to others as well this holiday season? And not just this season, but in your walk with Christ, that you will be someone that offers that to others. Because Christmas time, it's a time to celebrate. Time to celebrate that God loves you, that he's for you, and that he's with you. And it's a great time for salvation. But I leave you with these questions to ponder Man, but am I with God? Am I for God? Do my actions, my lifestyle, the way I'm raising my family, the way I use my money, the way I... Do you love God? Wait, how do I show God? Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's got a love language. It's called obedience. That's your measuring stick. He loves you, but does he know you love him? And if you're here visiting with us, we'd love for you to come into a relationship with God, to get to know him. Ask someone who brought you, someone you're with, to help you to see what an incredible time this is. To know God, to come into a relationship with him, because he's offering a gift. A gift that will pay off things that you and I cannot pay off. On our own. And for that, we give him the glory and we celebrate with one another. Brothers and sisters, we love you. Love you. Hope you have a great Christmas time here with friends and family. And we'll see you in the new year. Amen.